Today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 15, verses 7 through 13. Listen now to the word of the Lord. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Welcome everyone. And I also wanna wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. Uh, thanks to uh, Pastor Dohi for that wonderful message. Um, please pray with me. Lord, we are mindful that Mother's Day can elicit a variety and mixture of emotions. Whether it's excitement and anxiety for those about to give birth, or whether it's sadness and grief by those who have lost their mother or a child or a child that is not to be, or whether it's guilt and disappointment felt by those who feel that they have somehow failed in some way as a mother or that their mothers have failed them. We lift up all mothers, grandmothers, widows, stepmothers, surrogates, single mothers, first time mothers and fourth time mothers and offer thanksgiving for all who have mothered us in the faith. And now we ask that in the hearing of your word, you would help us to find our delight and our hope. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I started a new sermon series entitled Less Fun, More Joy. And I said that the key to joy is to abide in Jesus. Even though you are likely having less fun these days, you can still experience greater joy as you abide in Jesus. And so today and for the next several weeks, I wanna start taking a closer look at some of the ways, some of the practical ways that we can abide in Jesus. In our reading today in verse seven, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We'll take a look at the second half of this verse uh, at another time, but this morning, I want to consider the words in the first half of this verse, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Jesus said last time that there is a mutuality to abiding. We abide in Jesus and Jesus abides in us. And one of the ways that he abides in us is through his words. To abide in Jesus is to be filled with his words to have his words sit with us. 
In our small groups in FG last week, it was noted that the word abide is related to the word abode in English. The sense is that you abide with those who are in your abode or in your home. To abide in Jesus is to be at home in him. This is why Eugene Peterson, for example, translated verse 4, the words abide in me and I in you, as live in me, make your home in me, as I do in you. Jesus said something very similar in John 14, 23, when he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He will abide in our abode, and we will be together. If you are living with someone that is abiding and aboding together, you will naturally get to know that person. Some of you have never spent this much compressed and uninterrupted time with your roommates or suite mates, your spouse, your kids, maybe your parents or in-laws, and maybe you're learning some new things about them, good and bad. Now, the way you learn about people in your life is through their words and through their actions. Ideally, the people in your life have words and actions that are consistent, that what they say and what they do match up. But you know that from experience that human beings are not always able to have their words and their actions line up. It could be that the words and actions don't match because of ignorance or self-deception or powerlessness or maliciousness. People might inadvertently pass along and act on half-truths or withhold the truth and act hypocritically or simply outright lie with no intention of carrying out a spoken promise. Even among the most loving relationships, even with the best of intentions, there are still many lapses between what is promised and what is done, between word and deed. For example, my wife might say, the garbage is full. Years ago, I would have responded by saying, yep, and go back to whatever I was doing. I didn't realize that her indicative statements were actually imperative statements in disguise. Now I know better. The garbage is full is not information, but a request, or sometimes a demand for action. Now when she says the garbage is full, I will say something like, yep, I'll take it out later and go back to whatever it was I was doing. And you know what happens. I forget later. It's not I'm trying to be evil or lazy. It's just that I sometimes honestly forget. Or sometimes I'll say something with every intention of doing it, but I just fail. For example, I might say something like, I'm just going to eat one scoop of ice cream tonight before devouring an entire pint. It's not catastrophic, 
but I made a careless promise and I broke it. My words and my actions did not match, whether through forgetfulness or powerlessness. It happens. We do it to ourselves. We do it to others. It's our fallen condition. But in Jesus, words and actions are always the same. They are always one and the same. What he says and what he does always match. There is never a contradiction. There is never a falsehood. There is never a failure. What he says is true and trustworthy. It's the same as the word of God. Remember in creation, God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. God's words and reality are the same. What God says is. None of us can, none of us can do that. If I were to say, let there be dinner, dinner doesn't appear. In fact, if I said that, it's quite likely that I will not get dinner that evening. My words lack the power. But Jesus' words have that kind of power. It's the same power as God is because the words that Jesus speaks come from God. His words are God's words. Jesus said in John 14, 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. We're getting inside information from Jesus. We're getting the inside tea, as my kids might put it, from the Father through Jesus. So the words that we are to abide in, the words of Jesus, these words that are to abide in us, these are the words that are to make their home in us, these words of Christ are the words of God, and these are the words that are true and are powerful, that lead to life, to life eternal, and to the fullness of joy. Jesus said in Luke 6, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. A well-built life is one that is built on the words of Christ. You can build your life. You can trust to build your life on his words. They're solid. They will not falter. They will not shake. They will not break in the storms and in the pandemics of life. His words have that kind of power and can provide a kind of foundation for us. Repeatedly throughout scriptures, Jesus points out the value of his words. For example, in Matthew 24, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. His words are eternal. In John 5, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And in John 8, 51, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. His words, as they abide in us, means that we have eternal life and will not see death. 
In John 8, 31, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If we claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if we claim to be a follower, then we're going to abide in his words. We're going to take his words seriously. We're going to let those words just simmer and make their home in us. His words are the eternal foundation upon which to build your life and your faith. Thomas Boswell, a, col- a columnist for the uh, Washington Post, recently wrote this. He wrote, perhaps what is most endangered now is neither our lives, nor our jobs, nor our savings, though all are in peril, but our internal lives. He goes on to say and to ask whether after this pandemic has run its course and the isolation has ceased, will we keep intact all all of our best qualities? Will we emerge from this season of self-quarantine with our faith intact? And I would ask even more, will we emerge with our hope renewed our love expanded, our compassion broadened, and our joy enlarged. I know that this lockdown has presented different challenges for each of you, including a disruption to your spiritual habits and practices. But this disruption can actually be an opportunity for renewal and growth and even resurrection. For example, I see right now that there are 86 participants in this worship service. If we count all the people who are here, it's a noticeably larger number than we used to get when we used to meet for worship in person. Meeting virtually is not nearly as good as meeting live in person, but it is easier. You don't have to get up as early. You don't have to get dressed. Those of you with your videos off, right? You don't have to wash your face or anything. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to attend other meetings. You're not as busy chauffeuring your kids to their many activities. Or maybe it's because during this time, you're asking more questions and you're looking for a word of hope. This pandemic has given you, some of you, an opportunity to more consistently worship on Sundays. That's a good consequence. That's a good adjustment that's taking advantage of the disruption to your daily routines. I've also heard from our FG leaders that some of their groups are meeting more regularly now and that they have more people joining them, probably for similar reasons. Even though I know that some of you are super tired and tired of Zooming, It's so encouraging to see that you are making the effort to stay connected. Because I know how, I know how tiring this can be. In fact, last Sunday, I was uh, joining an FG. And while someone was uh, sharing, I briefly fell asleep. I nodded off while someone was talking. And uh, she called me out on it. Thank you. (laughs) In love. (laughs) And um, I know I'm not the only one. I've been in other uh, FG meetings and I've seen a few of you doze off as well. And in fact, if you're dozing off right now and that's why you have your video turned off, that's okay. I get it. I'm used to it, really. 
I'm glad that you just showed up and are making the effort. And I believe that God is also pleased with our efforts and our desire to worship. As I mentioned this, uh, in this Wednesday's word, in this season of quarantine, we have all been presented with an incredible opportunity, I think, to really and to more honestly and deeply assess our walk with Jesus Christ. Instead of just waiting until things get better or things return to normal, whatever that might mean, you can take this time to examine and to nurture your internal lives, to abide in Christ and to abide in his words. I know that because of the nature of your particular jobs or your home situation, some of you now have more free time while others of you have less free time. To those of you who feel like you have some more time, are you spending that extra time abiding in Jesus and in his word? If not, why not? Is it because you'd rather spend that extra time looking for other sources of fun and entertainment? Is it possible that your faith is wrapped up more in having fun and fellowship with others as if it were just another form of entertainment rather than being rooted in the joy of knowing Christ? To those of you who have less time, are you spending even less time abiding in Christ and in his words? Was your time abiding in Christ the first casualty of this busyness? Is it possible that your love of God was restricted to whatever leftover time you had after everything else was done rather than a priority? If you're not spending time abiding in Christ and abiding in Christ's word, then you are effectively not abiding in Christ. It means that you have cut yourself off from the vine, from the source of life. And without life in Christ, there can be no fullness of joy. This is, this is not to make you feel guilty this morning. I have no desire to add another burden during this time. Rather, I want to present with you, I'm calling you to take this opportunity to take stock of your faith, to walk with Jesus, to prioritize abiding in him and in his word so that your joy might be made full. So I wanna give you just two reminders this morning how you can let the word of Christ abide in you. First, I think most of you are probably familiar with the hand illustration. To get a grip on God's word, you wanna get God's word into your heart and into your head in multiple ways. Through listening, reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on God's word. This morning in worship, you've had a chance to listen to God's word. You've had a chance to read it on screen. And as you're listening now, I can see a few of you taking notes and studying it. Now, I know that a few of you naturally love reading, and you love reading the Bible, and you need no further motivation. 
Most of you, however, I know are not like that. If you have never developed the habit of engaging with God's word, of abiding in God's word, and letting God's word abide in you, now is the perfect time to start or to start once again if that practice has been missing recently. Start reading today. You don't have to read long. Just five minutes. Just five minutes. And if you get sleepy, stop, try again later, or try again tomorrow. But keep at it. Our church has been sending out daily readings, Monday through Friday, one chapter a day from the New Testament, so that if you read just one chapter of the New Testament, Monday through Friday, you will get through the entire New Testament every year. Think about that. It takes less than five minutes a day to either read or to listen to a chapter of the Bible, just Monday through Friday, and at the end of a year, you have listened or read the entire New Testament every year. Do that for the next 5, 10, 20, 40 years and see what happens. It's just passive listening and reading and see what happens. I know that many of you are now settling into new routines and you're trying some of you some new things during the season, whether it's learning to cook new dishes or picking up the guitar again or doing puzzles or exercising. I want to tell you that I've been recently inspired by someone in our church that I found out was doing more than 100 push-ups every day. I've never really done push-ups, and even when I was young and in shape, I don't think I ever did more than like maybe 20. So I decided this week that I'm going to start doing push-ups, just adding another bit of exercise uh, for myself. So on Monday, I try to see how many I could do in a row. I did 10. That was pretty good for me. That was more than I actually expected. So I've been trying to do as many as I can in a row three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. And my goal is that by September 1st, I can do 56 in a row. I can't imagine getting 200, but I think I can get to 56. So that's my goal. And I'm letting you know now so that you can be accountable. So if you've got nothing to say to me, you can ask me, how are those push-ups going? And so the next time you see me live, if my triceps are all jacked up, you'll know why. I tell you this because I want you to do the same thing regarding Bible reading. Let the people in your FG or the people in your family, let them know how you are spending time in God's word. If you're not in the practice of regularly reading, let them know so that they can encourage you and keep you accountable. Start with one chapter or just a few minutes a day and commit to it daily. And then maybe in a month, you can add a little bit more. Maybe take out a half hour once in a while and, re and read you know, one of the shorter letters of Paul. Or maybe take out a few hours one weekend and read through an entire gospel and see what that does for you. I think it's very hard for us to say to God, I cannot commit five minutes a day to invest in your word. Secondly, if you can manage that, 
and that's all you can manage right now, that's fine. If all you can do right now because you're just so overloaded and all you can manage is to just listen passively, maybe while you're doing the dishes, you turn on the audio Bible or something like that, and that's all you can manage right now, that's fine and that's great. Start there. Just start there. But if you are in the habit or you can manage a little bit more, I want to encourage you then to take the next step and begin to apply the word of God into your life. There are many ways of doing this. And many of you already, I know, have your own practices. And so if you have something that's working, that's great. But for those of you who aren't sure or who want to try something new or who want to try something old, uh, I want to just make one suggestion for you today. This is something I learned when I was in college, and I still use it today. Uh, it's a way of just very simply and quickly trying to figure out a way to apply God's word into my life. It's called SPEC, and it's an acronym of asking yourself five quick questions as you read God's word. The letter S stands for sin, and the first question you want to ask is, is there any sin to avoid? Is the word of God telling me, here's a sin that I need to avoid? P stands for promise. Is there any promise to claim? Is there a promise in this reading that I can claim? E stands for example. Is there any example to follow? C, is there any command to obey? And K, is there any knowledge to remember? So whenever you read a passage, you just quickly ask yourself these five questions. For example, here's today's reading from our scriptures, from John chapter 15. So I ask myself, is there any sin to avoid in this passage? No, there's nothing. I mean, at least, again, we want to do this quickly. So I see nothing. Then I ask, go to the second one. P, is there any promise to claim? And then I see, yes, there is. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's a good promise. I can ask whatever I wish if I'm abiding in God's word, and God is going to answer that. That's a good promise to have. E, example. Is there an example in this passage? Yes. Jesus gives us an example of himself. He says, I want you to do this just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. So I want to follow this example. This is what Jesus has done. And I want to do the same. Command. Is there a command? Yes. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. I mean, this, this, is, this is so easy, right? Because Jesus said, here's my commandment. So that one pops up right away. And then K, is there any new knowledge? Maybe the new knowledge is that I have to abide in Christ's word. Maybe the new knowledge is that I have to follow the example of Jesus whatever that may be, whatever knowledge you gain about God or about yourself that, that you want to remember, then you can write that down. So again, if you spend a lot of time, you can find all kinds of different things, but that's not really um, what I'm encouraging you to do. You won't find most of the time all five letters in, in any given passage, but you always find at least one. You'll find always at least one, one little speck. That's all you need. You're looking for just a tiny little speck, a mustard seed to apply into your life. Maybe today it's abide in my word. You can memorize that. You can meditate on that. You can let that word just simmer in your minds all day. 
Memorizing and meditating, it's all about repetition. As the adage goes, what the mind repeats, the mind retains. That's abiding in Christ, and that's really how we grow. Now, the ultimate point of all of this, of hearing, of reading, of studying, memorizing, meditating, of looking for a speck in the word, is to know Jesus. The point isn't just to develop a habit so that you can check it off on your list of to-dos for the day. You're not trying to just get through the Bible, as someone said. We're trying to let God have the Bible get through us. It's to abide in his word. And as you do that, you will get to know Jesus. That's, that's the goal. You get to know Jesus. And as you get to know him, you'll be transformed from the inside out. You get to know Jesus and you'll have the experience of the fullness of joy. That's my word for you today. Let's pray. Lord, we want to experience joy and the fullness of joy. So help us to abide in you and abide in your word. Help us to choose your word daily. Help us to overcome our tiredness, our laziness, our rebelliousness, our lame excuses, and instead be filled with your spirit as we abide in you and in your word. Wash us in your word. Drench us in your word. And fill us with your word to joy overflowing. We pray now together the prayer our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.